Frank's Redemption When this play began, I was not fond of Frank. There was nothing sacred to him about his responsibilities as a schoolmaster. He flouted the rules to curry favor with his students, he resorted to a phony friendliness to win their affection, and he put little stock in the value of his own subject. And his unscrupulousness was not reserved to the realm of school. He carried on a cordial relationship with Crocker Harris while having an affair with his wife. Still, when we see him interact with Millie, he certainly comes out the better by comparison. He, at least, is trying to delicately withdraw himself from her clutches, while she tries greedily, desperately, and pathetically to hold on. But by the end of the play, I looked at Frank with real regard. In the brief span of this one-act play, he underwent a significant transformation. He shows glimmers of self-awareness and moral potential when he confesses to Millie that schoolmasters always fall into the false choice of his hearty, jocular bonhomie or her husband's soulless tyranny. He wonders why, instead, no one has ever tried to be natural with the little blighters. Why, indeed. When we first see him witness to Millie's spitefulness, when she says of the timetable, you know it bores me to death, we are told that Frank looks up surprised and uncomfortable. He is glimpsing a new side of her, and to his credit, he's paying attention. When he learns of Crocker Harris's new position at the Crammers, he reacts with genuine sympathy, showing he at least has a capacity for compassion. We see that capacity manifest in a more pronounced form when he walks in on Crocker Harris's emotional breakdown after Taplow had given him the gift. When he sees that this gesture meant so much to Crocker Harris, and that Crocker Harris is in doubt about how sincerely it was intended, Frank does all he can to restore Crocker Harris's faith in its significance. He even tells a little white lie, saying, quote, I can remember very clearly his exact words. He said, he doesn't seem to like people to like him, but in spite of that, I do, very much, unquote. We need only flip a few pages back to see that these are not, in fact, his exact words. Frank has taken a little translator's license, but his intentions are generous and honest. Frank's real redemption comes when Millie bears her reprehensible soul before him. While Frank had compassionately sought to reassure Crocker Harris of the gift's sincerity, Millie, with dishonest and calculating cruelty, tries to convince him it was nothing more than a bribe. Between this act of malice and the later revelation that she had cold-bloodedly related to her husband all the details of her affairs, it becomes apparent to him that she is evil. And Frank not only faces that fact openly, he tries to take accountability for his part as the somewhat unwitting accomplice to her crimes. He finally tells Millie in no uncertain terms that they are finished. He tells her to go attend to the husband she is so badly hurt. He humiliates her with the comment about her urgent invitations, and then, when she slaps him, he accepts it as the least of the punishment he deserves. Then he tries to reach out to Crocker Harris in authentic friendship. He exhorts him to leave his wife, insisting it is the only way he can save himself. He expresses shame for having encouraged Taplow's imitation. He does all he can to restore Crocker Harris's faith in the honesty of Taplow's gesture and he tells Crocker Harris that he wants to come and visit him at the Crammers. The encouragement to leave his wife, 
the restoration of his belief that he had achieved one of those singular successes with a student, the promise of a possible friendship. All these things helped bring about the miracle of stirring new life in the corpse that Crocker Harris had almost irrevocably become.